want you to get your Bibles, and uh, the first scripture we're going to be getting to is 1 John 2 and 25. <clears throat> for those of you that were not with us last week, or for those of you that have ADD like me and forgot what we did last week, uh, last week was Vision, was Vision Sunday, and uh, we talked about the vision that we feel like God has called us to as we come to the end of this year and the beginning of next year. And we begin to, begin to dive in, and, and something that the Lord spoke very clearly to me is I heard God in my prayer time and as I was really diving in saying, God, what do you want us to, what vision do you want us to, to cast? I kept hearing the Lord just impress on me that for us to look forward, we need to look backward. Before we could look to the future, we had to look to the past. And I didn't quite understand what that meant because we're always taught don't look back, right? And yet I was definitely hearing feeling God impressed on me to look back, and I was reminded of the promises that God had spoken over Kristen and I, our ministry, and God had spoken over this church as, as, as a house of God. And if you remember last week, we went into some of those promises, and I, I even read some, some transcripts of some audio or video where we had some absolutely crazy stuff that happened and just confirming what God had called us to do. And uh, as I began to begin to dive in that, I found out that what God wanted us to do in the future and what we talked about last week is what we were called to do at the very beginning. What God wants us to do as we move forward through these next several months and into 2015, I can't even believe I'm saying 2015, is to be the church that God called us to be at the beginning. A junction of heaven and earth, loving passionately, giving generously, and living abundantly. And we talked about the fact that our focus over the next several months is going to be what? Two things. Oh, man, I'm a vision caster. I'm telling you what, I can cast a vision. It's going to be him and them. There you go. How many knew that you were just scared to say it? Yeah, that's right. Our focus is going to be him and them, that we're going to spend more time going after and seeking the presence of God. I want you to be praying with me this week. We'll be meeting with this facility, the Knoll Center, the 50 Forward Patricia Hart Knoll Center, and we'll be meeting with them this week to talk about what we're supposed to do, what they're going to allow us to do, because we want to do more. And one thing we want to do is we'd love to have First Wednesday worship every first Wednesday of the month that we would meet here and have a time of prayer and worship. And so I want you to be praying that they will, they will agree to that and they won't charge us any more money, all right? How many will help me pray for that? Help us pray that they'll agree to that. They'll agree to us partnering with them to do more here at this, this community center. And so, and, and as we begin to press into the presence of God, we want to spend Wednesday night, first Wednesday of each month, right here worshiping. We want to go into the presence of God more in our prayer time in our gatherings, even during our worship time here on stage. You notice today I was encouraging you today to unfold your hands and take your hands out of your pocket. That's not to make fun of you or how you were raised and and just getting you to lift your hands. Some of you never done that before in church. That's not the only way. If you're not comfortable lifting your hands, that's fine. But we like pushing the envelope with you just a little bit. Just try it out because there's going to be some Sundays that we're going to tell some of the Pentecostals, don't lift your hands. Because that's just the kind of go-to, you know, I feel the Lord. Just the kind of, keep your hands down, 
bow your head. We're going to start messing with everybody, all right? But I want to ask you, with me, as your pastor, and if I'm not your pastor, just pretend that I am today, okay? I want to ask you over the next several months, let our focus be His presence. Let's go after God and what He's wanting to do in our life. And then our next focus is going to be them. And it's, it's, the, it's the two hinges that the Bible says all the law and prophets hang on these two things. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If we can turn our attention vertically to him and turn our attention horizontally to other people, we're going to see God do amazing things in our life. Because both of those are about giving, getting outside of yourself. When you don't feel like worshiping at 1015, you don't feel like worshiping at 1030, 10 o'clock is definitely early for most of us, so that's why I hit 1015 and 1030. It gives you a little while to warm up. You don't feel like that, but you reach down inside and you begin to give him something. And then there are others that have needs. And as we begin to enter into this fall season where people are ready to start coming back to church and we begin to make room and serve them getting outside of ourselves. Everybody say this with me. Say, I got to get outside of me. And then last week we talked about that there's three things that it's going to take for us to do this. It's going to take focus, it's going to take faith, and it's going to take folks. Focus, faith, and folks. So that is the vision that we feel like God has called us to over the next several months. And it's really the vision that we had at the very beginning when we were in our home with 15 people. And we were at John Wesley United Methodist Church and unloading trailers all the time. It was all about focus, faith, and folks. Last week, as I began to talk about the promises of God and and I began to say, before you can get to your future, you got to look to your past. And we began to talk about the promises. Remember the promises that God has spoken over you. I, I, I was amazed when I asked, how many of you know the promises that God has spoken over your life? And that there were some hands raised, but there were a lot of hands that weren't raised. And I got home, and Christy can tell you, as a pastor, my heart was grieved. Because it is my job as a pastor to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And if you do not know what your promise is, if you don't know what God has called you to do, then you can never fulfill what God has called you to do. And so I want to take a few moments today, and I want to talk about how to find and fulfill the promise that God has on your life. How many are ready for that today? So for those of you that don't know what it is, you hear people talk about, man, God's called me to this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do that. And something in you goes, I just don't really know what that is. And for some of you, it's because you can do so many things that it's hard for you to hone that down to one thing. Then there are those, uh, those others of us that know what the promise is in our life, but it's easy to get distracted. Can I hear an amen? To get just a little bit off course. Well, today... I want to help us, and we're going to dive into this this morning, and who knows if we'll get to the end of it. Here's another great thing I'm excited about. I did not know this, and Eve, who, is, who helps take over our kids' ministry, had no idea that I was going to be teaching on the promises. They started last week and this week. Our kids are spending the next several weeks on the promises of God. Isn't that amazing how God just works that thing out? So today you'll get to go home and talk with your kids about the same thing, the promises of God. First of all, there are some promises that God 
gives over every single one of us. I heard someone say that there are 365 promises in the Bible, one for every day. I think that's cute. I don't know that that's true. I think there are so many more promises than that. Matter of fact, I think the entire Word of God is just one big honking promise, all right? That's what it is. It is a promise. I want to throw out a couple, uh, a few promises that are for everybody. 1 John 2.25, and this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. Eternal life is a promise from God for everybody. Romans 8.37, yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The promise, not just of eternal life, but the promise of eternal love, that you cannot be separated from the love of God. I may receive that promise today. 1 John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't know about you, but I needed this verse this week to confess my sins to my Father and know that He has promised me that He would wipe it away. Let me just stop right there. I just feel, man, a little pause right there. For those of you that are continually holding something over your own head, it is time for you to let that go. If you have confessed it, He has forgiven it, let it go. If you are holding something over someone else's head and they have confessed it, let it go. That's all I'll say about that. How can we go against the promises in the Word of God when we continually to battle and struggle with the things that we feel like hold us down when we have confessed it, we've given it up, God has already forgiven it and forgotten it and moved on. We're the ones that are still dealing with it. Revelations twenty two seventeen. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Anybody can come and drink. It is not a well that is just set aside for the righteous. It is for anybody. Acts 2, 38 and 39, Peter said to them, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all that are far off as many as the Lord our God will call. Everybody say the Holy Spirit, or as I was raised, say the Holy Ghost. Heavy on the H. Holy Ghost, it is a promise for everyone. So those that think that that, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is just set aside for crazy folks, it's not. It is for everybody. It's for you, it's for your children, your children's children, as many as the Lord shall call. It's for everybody. He said, I'm going to pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, Jews, Gentiles, Sadducees, Charismatics, Pharisees, 
Just yell out whoever else. Come on, the count of three, just yell out one, two, three. Y'all are terrible. All flesh. Come on, think of somebody right now on the count of three. Everybody just yell out a demographic, a religion, or a country. You ready? One, two, three. That's who he's pouring it out on. That's who he's pouring out. The Spirit of God. It is a promise from God for everybody. So here's what happens many times. We think those promises are just for other people, and they're not. It is God's will that every single one of us would be walking an abundant life, that every single one of us would have the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, that every single one of us would be walking in freedom and the fire of God. I am praying that God pours out His Spirit upon our church like we've never had. I'm praying for a baptism of the Holy Spirit in fire and a passion for the things of God like we've never had. When you hear the word passion, that should be the moment to go, yeah. Passion for the things of God. Well, I tell you, God really did a work in my heart this week as I begin to pray for some people that, that attend our church that I know have more in them and the thing I know they're not living up to their potential and what God could really do through their intellect and their influence and their talent and they're just kind of hanging out and, and just getting by and I begin to, that can frustrate the heart of a pastor when you know, man, they got more in them, you know, but you can't, you know, you can't cattle prod them, you know, you, you, it's, it, pastoring is all permission based, it's all people saying, I want you to pastor me and I want you to speak into my life and so there's only so much that you can do and say and so Chris and I were talking and in the kitchen, just God, what, what could we do, what, what could happen and I heard the Lord say, you need to pray that I baptize their heart with passion for me. Because if they can have a heart for me, you're not going to have to worry about them stepping into everything I've called them to do. God, baptize us with a passion for you. Make our hearts beat for the things that make your heart beat. Break our heart for the things that break your heart, Lord. Do that thing in us. We talk about hungry kids and we talk about lost souls. Every one of us should be moved with compassion. You know what we need to do? We need to have an enlarged heart. We need to have our heart enlarged. Just take your hand and put it right over your heart and say, Lord, enlarge my heart and my capacity for the things of you, God. Let me feel what you feel. Hurt for what you hurt for. Love who you love. Give me a passion for you, Lord. Passion for you. Man, the promises of God. The Holy Spirit, eternal life, fresh life, fresh water. It's for everybody. And that's what we're supposed to do, proclaiming that the good news. It's not just for a certain sect of people a certain race or a certain color. It is for everybody. I was reading this morning when Paul said to the folks, he said, I know y'all think it's just for the Jews, but I've been called to the Gentiles as well. The promises of God are too big for one type of people. For everybody. So I want you to picture your worst enemy and the promises of God are for them. A person that did you wrong, the promises of God are for them. And it gets quiet at that moment. 
So there are promises that are for everyone, and then I believe that there are also personal promises. I believe that God speaks things over our life. Jeremiah, God spoke things over him, and he said, when you were in your mama's belly, Jeremiah 1, I prop, I called you to be some things, and he began to promise things to him. He said, you're going to be a prophet to the nations. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. The promises of God are connected to the plans of God. If you're taking notes, write that down. The promises of God are connected to the plans of God. How many of y'all like the word promise better than plan? Doesn't that just sound better? Promise better than plan. But the promises of God are connected to the plans of God. And when you find your promise, that's when you find your purpose. The purpose-driven life is really more about finding the promise that God has spoken and declared over your life. If you had to boil down what Kristen and I feel like we've been called to do, it's this right here. It's to help people find, understand, and move into everything that God has called them to be. To encourage people to move into their identity through the power of the Holy Spirit. This morning as I was sharing with Kristen some of the things that I was feeling for this day, she said, man, this is your message. This is what you're called to do. So just go for it, baby. So I'm going for it to baby. I'm going for it, baby. So let's talk for a few moments about the promises of God over your life. And some of you already know what that is. It's a word from God where you had a, a dream or, or you had a grandma that prayed over you or, or you had something even prophetically happen where it was spoken over you and you know no doubt. For some of you, it's a scripture that it was it just a highlight to you and, and you know, man, it keeps going back to you. For those of you that know those things, I want to encourage you to, number one, remember them because we are a forgetful people. Amen? We forget so easily. That's why throughout the Bible, you will find them always building altars and shrines and having feasts. So we could remember the promises. Remember the promises and then recite the promises. Remember and recite. After last week, as I I spoke this word, we had a family that goes to our church that used to attend a, a church in another city. And in 2006, when I was traveling, I went to that church and I spoke at that church, and at the end of the service, this family came up for prayer, and I began to pray over them, and I felt the Holy Spirit come over me, and I began to speak some things to them. I didn't know what I was saying, just saying, God's going to do this and do that. And he sent me that entire thing typed out, and he said, we've watched as God has begun to do those things. And he said, I printed them out, and I put them on my desk, and I'm reminding God, and I'm reciting these things over and over. So I want to encourage you, if you've got a promise, that you know it's a promise from God, remember it, write it down, and just say it. Say it. Now, some of you were not raised up in a church where they talk about dreams and visions and and prophecies and that kind of stuff. If you think that stuff is wanky and wrong, and it is. Some people make it wanky and crazy and just way out here. But it is scriptural and it is very biblical if it's done in the right order. And so I want to encourage you to ask God to begin to speak directly to you. Who knows, it might even happen today. But what if you don't know? What if you just don't really know? And I'm not going to do a show of hands today. 
those you just don't know, or you may think you know, but you don't really know how to get there. First of all, I want to remind you and tell you that you do have a promise. You don't even have to question that. You do have one. He spoke one over you before you were in your mama's belly. Speaking of which, I would be remiss to forget to forget this. We want to celebrate with Ben and Emily Roberts today. Look at this right here. Ben and Emily Roberts. Chris and I went by and and hugged and kissed them. Look, do you think she does she look like she was in 13 hours of labor? I look like I labored more than she did. Look at that. This is Bruce Wilder Roberts. Isn't that a great name? Bruce Wilder Roberts. Take it back to that first picture, Justin, if you will. As Kristen and I prayed over him yesterday, I reminded him and his mom and daddy that promises were spoken over him before he was even formed in his mama's belly. Look at that little fingernail. Does that just get you that God cares about fingernails? Out of all the stuff that he could be worried about, he forms fingernails? What? That's crazy. Before that fingernail was formed, God had a promise over Wilder, had spoken it over him. Look at me. Same for you. Same for you. When you were in that mama's, before you were formed in your mama's belly, God began to declare promises over you. Speak promise. Yes, there are corporate promises that are for everybody. But you have a promise over your life, a destiny that you're supposed to fulfill. Many times that word destiny just brings about worry and dread because we think that we've got to do it. That's why I'm talking about promises today. When you've got a promise, that means you don't have to do it by yourself. The seven Ps to finding and fulfilling your promise. We may not get to all seven today, and we'll finish it next week. That'll make you come back, won't it? Number one, passion. For those of you that don't know what your promise is, or those that feel like you know, but you don't know how to get there, the first P to finding and fulfilling your promise is passion. What makes you buzz? What is that thing that just fires you up, that makes you just, you get excited about it when you begin to talk about it, when you begin to dream about it? I want to say something. Sometime in religion, we try to make people become something that they're not. But let me say something to you today. Don't ignore what you like. Don't ignore what gives you pleasure. Don't ignore what excites your heart. The scripture says that he will give you the desires of your heart. God wants you to be fulfilled. God wants you walking in fulfillment. God wants you walking in abundant life. So why would he give you a passion for something and then not allow you to fulfill that? Now, I'm not talking about your own passions because your own passions will get you in trouble. But the scripture says this, the heart is deceitfully wicked, and it will mess you up. 
But the scripture says in the Old Testament and the New Testament that the Holy Spirit searches the heart and it knows all things. So if you're praying for God to give you the desires of your heart and you're acknowledging him in all of your ways and you're putting him first, focusing on him, then those passions that you feel when you're in the presence of God, that's more than likely a part of your promise. That's a good word for someone right there. Everybody say passion. Come on, don't you just love that word? Scare some of you. (laughs) Passion. Passion encompasses the good and the bad. Write this down. This is something that I say around our house a lot, and I'll continually say it around here. Most of the time, your strength is also your weakness. So that passion that you have can be good and it can be bad. That thing that drives you can drive you the wrong way and drive you to the wrong things. Matter of fact, let's let's look at Moses' life for a moment. God placed Moses in Pharaoh's house. Why? To be the deliverer of his people. Put him in a special place. Set him there. And put in him a passion to be a deliverer. But what happened with Moses? One of the first things we see him do, he's hanging out one day and he sees an Egyptian beating a Jew. What happens? That passion that was in him to set the Jews free led him into murder. And he destroyed and buried this Egyptian in the sand. The passions that are in you can cause you to do things that are not right. But let me say something else. Many times what was bad in your life was actually pointing to something that was good. The fact that he murdered this Egyptian was not right, but it was showing you what his passions were. I believe that drug dealers would make the greatest evangelist in the world. Why? They have no fear. They don't care. They have a passion to deliver a product. Make money. What if that passion that was used for bad was turned to good? And I could just go on and on and on from, from, from artists to politicians to just name, just name people that take what God put in them for good and they use it for bad. But even in the bad, you can see what God meant for good. I about, that should get somebody right there who made some bad mistakes in your life because of your passion. And now looking back, can you see where God was trying to get you to do something right? Because of your own desires and selfishness, it made you to do some things you shouldn't have done. Passion. What is it that you're passionate about? And then Moses, God God begins to speak to him to deliver the people. and, And he uses this rod. There's that passion again. Using a rod. I mean, use a rod. You're passionate, right? And then the scripture says that he goes all the way through the, through bringing him through, uh, um, I can't think, what am I thinking? Wilderness, that's right. 
Can you edit that? Wilderness. Is there auto-tune for speaking, maybe? Bringing him through the wilderness, and God speaks to him now, and he says, Moses, I want you to speak to the rock. Speak to the rock, and what did the Scripture say Moses did? He hit the rock. There he goes back to his passion again. Sometimes God will take your passions and begin to move you and mature you into a place that those passions don't control you anymore. And God says, I know you used to react that way, but now I want you to react this way. I'm praying for maturity in some of our lives, that we don't just react and do things the way we used to do. I'm not a good preacher, but that's pretty good preaching right there, man. Passion. Everybody say passion. Come on, say it with passion. Whatever. The second P, personality. You're waiting some big, some big divine scriptural revelation. We're just getting practical today. How do I fulfill, find and fulfill the promises that are on my life? What is your personality? Does it suit you? Does it fit your strengths? What are you good at? If you're scared of talking to people, that may tell you something. If you love talking to people, that may tell you something. Your promise will always include some possibility. Let me explain that to you. God is not going to ask you to do something that you can't do. Now, stay with me, all right? Because I can see some of you are already going ahead now. Stay with me because we'll get to that part that you're thinking about in just a minute. Your promise will always include a possibility. In other words, it will include something that you can do. Well, God has called me to sing. Baby, you can't carry a tune in a bucket. No, he has not. Your promise always includes a possibility. It includes something you can do, something you're good at. Remember a moment ago, I said, don't, don't, uh, uh, don't. Man, I'm having a tough time today. What did I say a few moments ago? Don't ignore what you like. Remember that? Don't ignore what you're good at. I'm good at this, so God must be calling me to do something else. No, more than likely, that's what God has called you to do. And I, again, I, I really despise this whole religious thing that we put on people that's got to be hard, and it's got to be bad, and you got to hate your life and hate your ministry. No, you don't. You can love your life. You can love your ministry if you're doing what you're passionate about and what you're good at. I can feel your promise starting to come into view right now. You're like, okay, this is kind of starting to make sense. Your promise will always include possibilities, what you can do, but God always adds a bit of impossibility, what you can't do. Moses, I want you to lead my people out of here. And what does Moses say right off the bat? I I can't talk. I can't talk. He just right away goes to the thing that he can't do. That was God's plan the whole time. 
He added a little bit of impossibility to the possibility. Mary, I want you to be the mother of the Messiah. I've never had relations with a man. How's that going to work? See, the possibility, Mary, you can carry a baby. The impossibility, you need someone to father that baby. See how God always works? He always says, I want to take what you love and what you're good at, and then I'm going to couple it with something that you don't know how to do. So when it happens, you're going to know that it was me. If that would have fed back, that would have been amazing. Right? So there's that junction, that word we like to use so much that you're, you're pulled in between the two. You're like, oh, I love this. I want this. I want that. But I can't do that. And that's right in the God spot. Right in that place is where you find your promise. Moses, I want you to lead my people out, but I can't speak. I did not call you to be a speaker. I called you to be a leader. But I can't, but I can. But I'm weak in my weaknesses, in your weaknesses where I'm made strong. Don't forget, this is not about you. This is about the glory of God showing up. It's about him getting the glory. It's not about you getting to the end and saying, look at the successful business that we built on my principles and my plans and my strategies. It's about you getting to the end of it and going, man, I had a passion. I, I think I had a vision. I was pretty good at this. And, man, I just, I just stepped in. And then, man, God showed up. And this thing is incredible. I'm going to say something else. Write this down. It ain't your calling if you've never questioned it. If you have never questioned it, it's not your calling. It's just not. Boy, you get to a place that you begin to ask questions. Can I do this? Am I good enough? For those of you that have made some tragic mistakes in your life, you've done some things that you don't know that you can ever get over, that's that thing where God shows up. And I love what Mary said. She said, with God, all things are possible. I don't know how it's going to work out, but be it unto me according to your will. Even Jesus Christ got to a place that he questioned it. We don't talk about that a lot, do we? We talk about the risen Savior. We don't talk about the fact that he asked his daddy, could he back out? sweating great drops of blood. And he says, God, I don't don't want to drink this cup. Is there a way to find another plan? I know you, I know I'm him. I know I'm the one. I get it. But this seems impossible to me. I, I just don't, is there a way? But nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. See that tension right there. In that tension, is where you find the promises of God. I feel like pausing right there for a little bit. Matter of fact, we'll probably finish this up next Sunday. Man, there's such promise in this room right now. 
I'm looking at some of you that have such, all of you that have such amazing promise on your life. And what you're doing right now doesn't even scratch the surface of what God has called you to do. But here's what's going to have to happen. You and I are going to have to submit to what God wants us to do. We're going to have to get to a place that we are happy with how God made us. Man, we try to do away with that. And it, it, The boys play basketball and the coaches are always saying, compete and compare are always the two things that bring you down. Competing and comparing. What if I just had Jared Meg's intellect? And man, if I just had Angelo's creativity. And man, if I just had Jennifer's personality. And man, if I just had, had on and on, we could just keep on going. And what if I could do that? Then I could do, no, God has called you to be what you're supposed to be just the way you are. But you don't have to do it alone, Lindsay. That's the beautiful thing. God loves you the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. And so he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit that helps us step into things that we never knew were possible. How many of you received that word this morning? You received that word today? He is the light shining in the dark. morning.